Hi there, it's Mark Bittman. Welcome to Food. As always, you can email us at food at markbittman.com. We'd love to hear from you. Suggestions, complaints, questions, answers, we will respond. Also, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and rate us, presumably highly. It would be great, too, if you subscribe to our newsletter, The Bitman Project, at bitmanproject.com. Like this podcast, it gets better all the time. Unlike this podcast, it's delivered into your inbox three times a week. Okay, I will be right back. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. We are excited to share what we have for you today because it's what we believe to be a great mix. What you've come to know as our traditional interview, our normal interview, is today with the writer and chef Clancy Miller, who's a prime example of a person who takes true joy in lifting up others. Her new book, For the Culture, Phenomenal Black Women and Femmes in Food, Interviews, Inspiration, and Recipes, and her magazine, on which the book is based, comprises interviews and recipes from more than 50 Black women. Adrian Cheatham, Zoe Ajonio, Zella Palmer, Jarell Guy, Mashama Bailey, and more. Clancy knew pretty early on that she wanted to be in food, but she didn't know quite what she wanted to do. 
I wish I'd had more sisterly insights to accompany me on my path, she writes, and her mission to put a spotlight on and support other Black women in the food world is inspiring. That is a great chat, but we have more. We also have with us today Jerusha Klemperer, who is the smart and very articulate director of Foodprint, a nonprofit with the goal of helping people to make food choices that do less harm to the environment, animals, and people. Yes, that's a topic near and dear to my heart. Foodprint's podcast, hosted by Jerusha, is What You're Eating, and last week's episode was PFAS, the forever chemicals in your food. I talked to Jerusha about these man-made toxins, and I'm almost 100% sure that many of you are going to find the topic fascinating and horrifying. And if that's the case, you can go listen to Jerusha's full report, which we both found fascinating. That includes interviews with farmers who have been deeply affected by PFAS. We're going to start with Jerusha, and then stay tuned for Clancy after that. We were really impressed, as I'm sure anyone who listens to your podcast or sees the report you produce on your reporting here. Can you just tell me how you got into it and how things went? Yeah, so I first became aware of PFAS as a problem in food packaging. So Foodprint did a report on food packaging in 2019, and I learned about its presence as a grease-proof and stain-proofing and liquid-proofing um, kind of additive to paper products. And, you know, it was alarming, and we had a short little bit about it in the food packaging report. I later started seeing articles pop up about PFAS being found on farms in Maine and a couple of other places being tied to things like firefighting foam near military bases and who knows what else. And I remember at first thinking, like, this is really sad for Maine. How awful. This is really sad for New Mexico, where I knew there was a farm. Like, what a what a terrible situation for these other places um, and these other people. And then after a couple of years, it became clear that it was not just a problem in Maine. And you started seeing reports about PFAS and drinking water in municipalities around the country. And I thought, hmm, yeah, this is not a small local problem. This is uh, an emerging national problem. And the fact that they're um, affecting farms means that it's a food print story and it's of concern to our readers and so decided to dig in more deeply. Maybe not everybody knows what PFAS stands for or means or knows where we encounter them, right? In the env- yeah. not Not it, but them in the environment. So... PFAS refers to a class of chemicals generally called perfluorinated chemicals. They're known colloquially as forever chemicals because Mm. they don't ever break down. So most other chemicals, you know, they have a half-life. Over time, they will degrade, disappear, go away. Um, So even if they're super dangerous, you can have confidence that eventually they will disappear from your soil or your water or your body or your dairy cows. But forever chemicals never go away. They're particularly scary on that front, and they've been associated with a lot of negative health impacts. So thyroid disease, endocrine disruption, some cancers like breast cancer, testicular cancer, um, even things like obesity, low fertility, maybe Parkinson's, things like Mm. that. So a lot of really bad health impacts. And they're created for what purpose? 
So they have a lot of really great utilities, <laughs> right? They, they're kind of, they make things slippery. So they're used in products to make stuff kind of move along, right? So like a paper straw, and that's like, I know, been a lightning rod in a lot of conversations, getting rid of plastic straws. A paper straw needs to have PFAS lining it so the liquid going through doesn't just dissolve the straw, right? Um, a really awesome waterproof jacket, you know, those raincoats that the water just like turns into droplets and falls off the jacket. Yeah, we That's, love them. Right? It's probably because of PFAS. Wow. Some PFASs are in a place that's avoidable, but some aren't. I mean, I could say, okay, I'm not buying waterproof jackets. I'm not buying Teflon pans. I'm not going to use those weird kind of paper products that really aren't paper products, et cetera. But doesn't sound like that's going to do the trick. Probably not. But I do want to make one thing clear, which is that you won't get thyroid cancer from wearing a jacket that has PFAS in it. So a lot of the negative health impacts from PFAS are like for the people working with the chemicals or in the case of farms, for the farmers who are living on that land, kicking up the dust as they work in the soil, drinking the water from the well that has been contaminated. That is where the negative health impacts come from. However, you might live in a place that's near a plant where that raincoat has been made, and then their waste stream might end up in your water supply. And that is where you do see the health impact. So when we don't purchase products like a Teflon pan, there's not so much evidence that like you will get sick from even as the Teflon flakes and things like that. Not necessarily evidence that you will get sick from using that Teflon pan, but the production of nonstick pans mm. and what that does in the waste streams from those plants and things like that. That is what the cre creates the problems for people who drink from that water. And yeah, and really what we need to be doing is eliminating these chemicals from our supply chains. Mm. And that's where there's been a really misguided approach to a lot of this work to get certain bad chemicals out of our supply chains is not focusing on the full class of chemicals. And it's, this is the same problem with um, BPA. Right. A lot of people know that, oh, BPA is bad. I'm buying BPA free pacifiers and BPA free water bottles. But they stopped using BPA and they started using BPS, I think it's called. It has the same problems. They're from the same class of chemicals. So it's this whack a mole. And instead of going after the class, we've been going after individual chemicals and it's not the right approach. It's exactly the situation we've seen with pesticides for the last, what, 7,500 years, which is. They change one molecule in the formulation and suddenly it's legal again. So, and the, the overall thing doesn't get addressed. So it makes it sound like this is the same yeah. in that same world. And in a sort of crazy situation, there are PFAS in a lot of pesticides and also in the containers that pesticides are shipped around in. Well, so if someone asks me if we can live in a world without pesticides, I I would say we can get to a world without, where we can live without pesticides. We can't do it tomorrow, but we can start moving in that direction. What's the answer to that question with PFAS? Can we live in a world without, live in a modern 7 billion, 8 billion, whatever it is, people world without these chemicals? Yes, we absolutely can. I do, you know, I mentioned medical devices, and I think there's little carve-outs, and there should maybe be, you know, ways that that waste is dealt with and treated with and whatever. But the great majority of them 
what we need are these chemical companies and small innovative companies to be coming up with alternatives. You know, if they could come up with that chemical, they can come up with one that isn't toxic. And so there's all the remediation work that we need to do to try to make drinking water safe and to do research to figure out if it will ever be possible to remediate the soil in which these chemicals exist now. But we also need to just eliminate current and future production of these chemicals. And the scientists I have talked to absolutely believe that it is possible to have a world without these chemicals. Thank you for this. Thank you so much. Stay tuned. Kate and I interview Clancy Miller right after this break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include Dynamic Sky Panorama Glass Roof, Front Row Massaging Seats, you know you want that, Available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. 
These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water, less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water, and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bittman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Thank you so much for doing this, and we'll have fun. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. (laughs) Hi, Clancy. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) We obviously want to talk about your book, and and we'll do that, but we thought maybe we'd chat briefly about how you got into food, because it sounds like you grew up with parents who love to cook, which is obviously a blessing, and then you worked at a restaurant in Atlanta and went to pastry school in Paris, which you called a genuine fairy tale. And can we hear a little bit about your relationship, your historical relationship with food? Sure. Yeah. So born in New Haven to parents who love to cook and love restaurants, uh, good restaurants. So I grew up eating out a lot, but also being fed really well at home. And my first food job was actually in a gourmet food shop in Philadelphia. We moved from New Haven to Atlanta, and then Atlanta to Philadelphia. And my first summer job was at a place called Food Stuffs, and I was the dishwasher. I wasn't working directly with food, but food was all around. And then in college, I had a work-study job for my first year in a cafeteria on Columbia's campus, and I was in charge of the stir-fry. And I really liked what I was making. And it was a set menu and I just kind of made stir fries to order. But that was kind of fun. And it was my first time cooking for 
people I didn't necessarily know and also cooking for my friends. But I liked that. So that kind of stayed in the back of my mind. I studied history. I got a job at a nonprofit. I was, didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated from college, like a lot of people. And I started taking classes on the weekends to kind of try to figure out what do I want to do. So I was taking filmmaking classes and acting classes and cooking classes. And I found that most stimulating working with my hands. And I applied for a job at Fork Restaurant in Philadelphia on the weekends. And I was not hired, but the chef said, you know, you can do prep for our brunch on the weekends. And I did that and I loved it. And I wanted to go to culinary school and I asked the chef about it. And she said, you know, you don't have to go to culinary school to work in a restaurant, but I would recommend it for pastry. And so that was a bit of a light bulb moment. And I decided that's what I'm going to do. And I started looking at schools here in the States. And then I studied French in France and I kind of wanted to go back. So I thought, what if I went to Le Cordon Bleu? Um, (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of how it started. And I specifically chose the pastry program at Le Cordon Bleu. And then after that, I staged in a bakery in the 16th. It was a very posh neighborhood, but the bakery was lovely, but the kitchen itself was terrible. And fortunately, a friend of mine was at Taivon and she said, you know, come for a day and stage with me. Wow. So I did. And it was great. It was a beautiful kitchen and it made me want to stand tall. And it was, it correlated to kind of the quality that we had at Le Cordon Bleu in terms of everything being beautiful. And it was just wonderful. So I ended up getting an apprenticeship there, which was really incredible. And then after that, I really wanted to stay in Paris And I ended up getting a job at Le Cordon Bleu in their recipe development department. So I was working with chefs on their class curriculum and writing articles and editing a lot of things for Le Cordon Bleu. And that kind of sparked my interest in writing about food because I kind of at that point had realized I don't think I can work in a professional kitchen. Like it's not sustainable. It's exhausting. And sustainable until you're 40. Yeah, it's it's hard. And I was like super, super young. So it's like <laughs> to to be fresh out of college and to realize I can't hack it. Like I can't do these long hours indefinitely. So it was exciting to see that there's there were other ways for me to apply my food knowledge and be in the food world in some way. It's very mature of you to realize that at such a young age. I would come home literally and sit down and fall asleep, period. Just sit down, sometimes kind of like fall over into my bed, but I would sit down on my sofa and fall asleep. And I just thought, oh, this isn't, I can't do this like for years and years. I have to find another path. Yeah. So you went from one end of the spectrum to the other. I feel like you went from like fine dining French, like what you read about, what you see in movies, to sort of more activism and mission-driven food writing? I think I've tried to 
meet people and be involved in work that is inspiring to me. So I'm interested in people who are trying to make change in the food world, sharing their voices, sharing their stories. So that's been important to me. So your magazine for the culture, for people who don't know, is a celebration of Black women in food and wine, in a nutshell, I should say. Yes. When you've talked about it, you've quoted Toni Morrison, and I love this quote, if there's a book you want to read, write it. And now we're celebrating the publication of your new book, also called For the Culture. And I'm curious if there was a specific moment in your life that inspired you to start the magazine, whether a moment of joy or frustration or a combination of both, especially coming from Paris where you're exhausted and involved in fine dining. Yeah, I think it, there are probably several moments layered. First, there's the there's kind of the moment of trying to figure out what do I want to do, which is an ongoing process and not really seeing all the options and not really understanding that not only are there many, many options of ways to work in the food world, whether that's in hospitality or in media, but there are people who look like me who've done this and there are just so many different ways to take part. So there's that and kind of realizing that, oh, it's important to learn these stories so that you know that you have numerous paths available to you. So that's kind of one of the motivating factors, my own desire to know what the options are and know whose stories represent those options. And then also kind of my own lack of knowledge of who has come before me or who are my peers doing this work and wanting to learn more and also share those stories so that they can be a resource to other people. And then specifically, I think in 2017, I was having a conversation with Carrie Diamond of Cherry Bomb, and she was talking about wanting to do an all-Black issue of Cherry Bomb. And she asked me if I would consider guest editing. And I said, I would love to. And I think around that time, there had been the all-Black issue of Italian Vogue. And that was one of the things that had inspired her for the cherry bomb issue. So we started kind of brainstorming what that would look like. Ultimately, that didn't take off. But in having conversations with friends about it, one friend in particular said, even if you don't do this special issue, you should do it. You should make a whole magazine of it. And I was like, you're right, I should. And by this point, I had started reaching out to and getting to know more Black women in food, in wine. And each person I spoke to would say, oh, you should speak to this person. So I felt like I was widening my network and I just wanted to share these stories. And so I decided first, it took a while because I was like, how am I going to fund this? And so I did a crowdfunder to raise the money to print the first issue. That's how it started. How long has it been around, the magazine? It came out in 2021. There was a pivot because I had to start working on my book in 2021. So I pivoted from the magazine to the book. And now I'll be pivoting back to the magazine. Well, let's talk about the book. The book, as Kate said, is also called For the Culture. 
It starts with a section called Reflections, which highlights a group of five women. You say the women on whose shoulders we stand. And I think that's a phrase that's really become part of the vernacular recently as we all sort of appreciate that everything that we do is based on work that other people have already done. And that's an important acknowledgement, I think. Anyway, you talk about Edna Lewis, uh, Lena Richard, and then you have interviews and recipes from more than 50 other women, people like Adrienne Cheatham and Zoe Adjonio and Zella Palmer. So it's a big undertaking, amazing amount of work. And you've sustained your passion throughout, which is admirable and wonderful. I wonder if you'd just like to pick a story or two that you felt particularly happy about, inspired by, in love with, funny, sad, whatever you like. I'll pick one of the personal essays because of all the people I wrote about for the personal essays, so Edna Lewis, uh, Verda Mae Smart Grossner, B. Smith, uh, Leah Chase, Lena Richard was the person who I hadn't heard of before. And so she was a domestic cook and she was just naturally a great cook and her family sent her to a cooking school. She became an even better cook. At some point, she opened up a culinary school for other domestics. She was an itinerant chef. She was cooking in different states and different restaurants. She opened up her own restaurant. She had a frozen food line, and she had her own cooking show. And this Mm. was before Julia Child. And this Mm -hmm. is in the South. Mm -hmm. And to learn about her having this whole empire was fascinating. She was doing all of the things that people in food aspire to do now, writing cookbooks, having a product line, teaching, uh, moving around the country, doing your teaching people how to cook or cooking for others, like essentially kind of a a pop-up. So it was so fascinating for me to learn that within the Jim Crow South, this woman existed And she really kind of had the blueprint. And I just thought, well, people should know about her. And how incredible is this that she was doing this so long ago and that really her legacy carries on today and how so many people approach food and what the aspirations are of so many people in food. So that was kind of a happy discovery for me and really affirming. So that's probably one of the biggest standout stories. I'm so proud to say that I knew about her because Kayla Stewart wrote about her for us. Nice. And I wouldn't have known if Kayla hadn't written about it, but I just, you know, and I don't want to trash Julia Child at all here, but you kind of wonder, like, did Julia Child know about her? Did Julia Child ever talk about her? These are the questions that I think about. Like, I don't know. It'd be interesting to know if, if it ever came up in conversation. Totally. I agree. It would be interesting to know. And I just feel like as a fan of Julia Child, I feel like there's there are so many other people who we should know about and lift up and who should be kind of part of our vocabulary, part of who we think about when we think about who has made the canon in American cuisine. 
even people who haven't made it yet, but who are super talented and trying to find their way. How do we reach those people? I mean, these are the kinds of things, these are the kinds of things that keep me up at night. Like, who should we know about? Who should we be paying attention to? So, I mean, I think that's what what drew me to the book so much. We're all so eager to lift up people who are already so famous and so well-known. And none of us knows how to find people who are just as talented, but just aren't known yet. Exactly. And which is why I wrote the, this book, because I wanted to shine a light both on people who are well-known and people who are up and coming, people who are really young, people who are just starting out, but do have a body of work that's impressive. I knew not well, but I, let's say I met a few times Edna Lewis You know, my sense in those days was that if you were an African-American chef of any renown whatsoever, you were kind of gravitating to the group of famous white chefs. You weren't building community among other black chefs, but you were saying, I want to be into this, you know, this Jeremiah Tower, Julia Child, James Beard, Alice Ward, whatever the 70s and 80s and 90s community of mostly, almost entirely, white chefs. And one of the beautiful things about for the culture is that you're building that network that's among Black people, as opposed to like, let's we'll relate to each other, but through this bigger community of white people, instead we'll build our own community of Black people, Black women, especially who are involved in food. So that's a different way of looking at things. It seems like a more intimate way of looking at things. Yeah. I think it's kind of a self-affirming or group-affirming perspective that, first of all, there's nothing wrong with looking to Julia Child as I look up to her. I mean, I went to Lakota and Blue partially inspired by her path. So there's, we take our inspiration from all over the place, which is good. But it's also important to, there are stories that get centered and then there are stories that are on the margins or get left out a bit. So I think one of the exciting things that's happening now, and I think for the culture as part of it, is seeing that there are references that we can pull from our own heritage. There are legacies available to us. It could be in your own family. It could be within your community of friends and hospitality. It doesn't just have to be the most famous person. It can be people who are perhaps a little bit lesser known and also people who look like you. So I think it's really important to have a wide variety of stories that are shared and that can serve as inspiration. And I'm really glad that that seems to be something that's happening more and more, people appreciating our own stories as well and starting to center them. That's actually a perfect segue into what I wanted to ask you about because you talk about when you first wanted to get started in food, you felt like you had graduated from college, you wanted to get started in food, but you felt like you didn't have a lot of information to guide you. You said that you wished you'd had more sisterly insights to accompany you on your path. So I guess my question is, do you feel like things have shifted a little, that Black women are finally starting to be recognized for all that they've done for food in America? Do you feel like if you were starting out today, things would be different for you? 
I definitely feel like if I were starting out today, things would be super different. And I do think there's a lot more recognition of Black women and femmes and food. I think social media actually plays a role in that um, in terms of the fact that so many people are on social media and so many people use it as a medium to cook food, show what they cook, you know, advertise pop-ups, share. It's some of everything. It's kind of like an ongoing commercial slash an ongoing TV show slash a personal journal. So there are ways for people to actively share what they're doing and then also accumulate followers and have a lot of eyes on them. And also in mainstream media, I think there's a little bit more attention. So I think, yeah, I think if I were starting out today, I would feel like I have a few more recognizable role models and or relatable role models. That being said, I, you know, Anthony Bourdain was one of my people I looked to, Kitchen Confidential, you know, like, so I think it's not so much getting rid of things that have been helpful. It's adding on, you know, so that there are more resources. Are there some people you want to mention or talk about that everyone should be more aware of these days or who should be more in the spotlight than they have been? I will base this highlight on the fact that I like to go to pop-ups. I live in Brooklyn. I like to, I like going to restaurants, but I like to see what people are doing and pop-ups seem to be more popular than ever now. And one of my favorite um, people is Kia Damone. And she currently is doing this Florida water tour. And I love her food. I think she should have her own TV show. I think she's great. Another person, Anya Peters. I was just at her pop-up, Kitten Ken. She does a lot of Caribbean-based pop-ups. Her cooking is great. Her recipe in the book is shrimp cassava balls. Mm. Um, I saw that. It looks so good. So good. And the concept is based on rum shops found throughout the Caribbean, which you basically go in and have a drink and get little finger foods. And I had never, I've been to the Caribbean, but I've never been to a rum shop. And I was just like, oh, this is so cool that she's sharing something that you may not know about, a great recipe. And I just, I love her food. So those are two people. I love everybody in the book. Let me make that clear. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Yeah. But um, in terms of two people whose food I've had very recently, like within the past few weeks, Kia and Anya come to mind. Okay, Clancy, last question. We ask everybody this. What'd you have for dinner last night? Oh, I had a pasta salad with tuna, like olive oil, you know, the tuna in the... I like my tuna in the olive oil. I don't like the tuna in water. Um, So that with like cilantro, scallions, red onions, lemon juice, like a little chili powder and spinach. You could all all mixed together. I just like, I, I chop up all the stuff. I put it in a bowl. I add the tuna. I, in capers, I mix it all together and then mix all the spinach. And I didn't cook the spinach, just the pasta and mix it all together. It kind of felt easy. That's my like easy thing. It's so funny. That's whenever 
I'm home by myself, I make tuna pasta. That's just, mm-hmm. it's my thing. Mine's hot, but maybe I should try pasta salad. It's a really good idea. But I always make pasta with tuna. Yeah, it's my summer go-to when I don't want to think hard about anything and just, I feel like I'm getting some vegetables in. Like I do put a lot of spinach in it. So yeah, it's only the pasta that requires cooking. So in my head, it's an almost no cooking meal. All right. Well, it was so nice to talk to you, Clancy. Likewise, this was a pleasure. Thank you. Good luck with the book. We will do what we can to promote it, of course. And um, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And you're welcome. This was really enjoyable. I I loved it. Okay, we have a recipe for you today, and it is Jarell Guy's Baked Smoked Okra Dip. Okra is in season. This is a perfect recipe for right now. You can check out the recipe on our website, but listen up and you'll get the gist. Here are the ingredients. Eight medium okra pods, two tablespoons olive oil, plus you'll probably want some more for drizzling, a small shallot peeled and diced, a half a teaspoon of crushed red pepper flakes, salt and pepper, an eight-ounce package of cream cheese at room temperature, a half a cup of plain Greek yogurt, two tablespoons mayonnaise, that's optional. Uh, Jarrell says preferably Dukes. Not all of us are going to be able to get that. One teaspoon hot sauce, half a cup shredded whole milk mozzarella, three quarters of a cup shredded smoked gouda divided into half, paprika for sprinkling, and tortilla chips or toasted bread for serving. Start by preheating the oven to 425 and find yourself a 16-ounce ramekin or two 8-ounce ramekins. Trim the tops off the okra and slice them in half lengthwise and then again in half widthwise. Set them aside. In a medium saute pan over medium-high heat, heat the olive oil, add the shallot and cook, stirring until soft but not brown, about three minutes. Stir in the pepper flakes, the okra, some salt and pepper, and then cook, stirring often until the okra just begins to soften and weep some of its slime three or four minutes. Remove the pan from the heat and set aside. Mix together in a large bowl the cream cheese, yogurt, mayonnaise, hot sauce, mozzarella, half a cup of the gouda, and salt and pepper to taste. Fold in the okra and shallots and transfer the mixture to the ramekin or ramekins, whatever you're using. Top with the remaining gouda, a little drizzle of olive oil, and a sprinkling of paprika, and then bake for 10 to 12 minutes or until the cheese is melted and the top is a little crusty. Serve warm with chips or bread. A great-sounding recipe, not the shortest one in the world. Look for it on our website. We want to thank both of our terrific guests today, Jerusha Klemper and Clancy Miller. You can follow Jerusha on Twitter at eathere 2 E-A-T-H-E-R-E, to the numeral. And listen to What You're Eating, Food Prince podcast hosted by Jerusha, wherever you like to listen. Follow Clancy on Twitter and Instagram at Clancy Cooks. That's Clancy with a K, L-A-N-C-Y, Cooks. And get For the Culture wherever you like to buy books. Thanks also to Kate, my co-host and producer, and to our engineer, Davis Lloyd. You can follow me on Twitter at Bitman, on Instagram at Mark Bitman. 
Please, again, subscribe to this podcast. Consider subscribing to our newsletter, BitmanProject.com. And join us again next week when we will have somebody amazing. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more. Only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon.